Fox, and welcome to Spotlight. With us today is Kate Kerrigan and Brian Loudermilk, whose show, The Mad Ones, is currently running with Prospect Theatre Company at 59 East 59th Street through December 15th. Brian, Kate, thank you so much for getting up early to chat with us when you've got a show going on and you're in rehearsals for another. Really appreciate it. Of course. Happy to be here. So let's start at the beginning, which I've been told is a very good place to start. Uh, Could you talk a bit about how you met and how you started working together? Sure. Um, Kate and I go all the way back. Um, we were, um, you know, we, we were Audrey and Seymour together, um, in community theater in middle school. We were huddled around the piano, um, trying to teach, um, all of the tricky harmonies to, um, you're a good man, Charlie Brown's, uh, book report. Um, in early high school, we were, um, in productions together as early as like fourth, fifth grade. Um, we just came out of the same community theater outside of Philadelphia, and, um, you know, we're not friends. <laughs> Kate was a, I was a pretty annoying kid, and Kate was not into me. But, Brian um, was two years younger than my group of friends, and so, and he, he, he definitely hung around a lot. Um, and, you know, you know how that is in high school. Sure. Um, I thought Kate was very cool. <laughs> Um, yeah. We had we did have a shared group of friends, and then when we got to college, um, that that two year gap significantly uh, shortens, right? So we we uh, started writing musicals when Brian transferred to NYU, and I was a senior at Barnard, and he got in touch with me, and he said I knew he had been writing musicals. He was writing musicals with my with a friend of mine um, and his very close friend Marcus Stevens, and he. Um, he got in touch with me and he said, do you want to write a musical together? And as you do when you're 20 years old, I said, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? And so the two of us started writing a show that about two years later we did in the very first New York Musical Theater Festival. And we both got we, we I don't know, we found our we found our match. We work really well together and we have a lot of shared experiences and influences. And it's a good collaboration. So what was that first show? Was that The Woman Upstairs? It yeah. was. I, I think I saw that one at the event. You did? I believe I did, yes. Oh, my God. It was such a mess, but then, like, so cool at moments. Yeah. We <laughs> I thought really it was very cool. It. Yes. Huh? Yeah, we were really proud of it. I mean, it was it, it was an that was an incredible experience. And we, you know, we put it together on a shoestring, and we didn't know anyone in the city except one casting director, Michael Casera, who we oh, still yes. work with, who who cast, um, who cast the mad ones. Um, he was one of our first collaborators in the city and he was the reason that we had an incredible cast. And then, uh, we had Alison Frazier and Kate Schindel and Pearl Sun and, uh, Josh Young. It was like, we were rehearsing amazing in a basement in that we were rehearsing in the base, <laughs> yeah. someone's basement in the West village. Kate was directing it. I was music directing it. And we were very much like Kate um, had only written plays prior to that. And she was sort of wrestling with some existential questions about what the virtue of a musical is. Um, And it was and we were learning how to write songs together. I had written songs by myself, but um, we were figuring out how to collaborate together. And so it was a very, very messy piece, but kind of beautiful um, and like explosive. And we were trying a lot of really cool things. Yeah, we were very proud of that period of time of our lives in that piece. Yeah. Brian is the... Brian is the reason that I write lyrics. He turned to me. I, it didn't even occur to me that that was something that 
should be anywhere near my radar. Um, and because he was so, he liked, he noticed that I had a, a combination of skills that could lead to me being able to write lyrics. And he was, he was my first teacher as a lyricist in a lot of ways. Awesome. And what did that whole experience of putting together a musical on a shoestring budget when you didn't know a lot of people in the industry teach you? I mean, I guess it prepared us for the rest of our careers, <laughs> which are, which generally continue to be that. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's what it is, right? I mean, whenever we're talking to um, to writers who to, to emerging writers who are asking us, oh, how do you start your career? How do you, you know, we give the same advice that everyone gives, which is to just make things, just get your work out there, figure out how to do it, um, and I, I, I'm, and I think we're better for it. It's it's yeah. wonderful to just have to kind of force something into the world through fire and perseverance. Yeah, I think that the the idea of like, hey kids, let's put on a show gets. Uh, it gets a bad rap, but it literally is what we've been doing our entire careers is trying to get people that we like together into a room and trying to find that shared, um, that shared aesthetic and the things that, that those people like and the things that we like and where they intersect. Um, and when you can do that, it's the best feeling in the world. Awesome. So you spent some time at BMI. Can you talk a bit about that experience? Yeah. yeah, they didn't like me very much at oh, BMI. No. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was I was a baby when I was at BMI. I started at BMI. I think I was nineteen, and I um I I wasn't like in like a listening phase of my life. I would say um, it was more. I was like very excited to show them what a great songwriter I was at nineteen, and like they were more interested in like you know, showing me some new tricks. Um, so. <laughs> I think, I think Brian in Brian in like early high school and Brian at BMI were a similar beast. Um, yeah. I think there was something very like upstart, like I can do this, let me come along So to Brian in early BMI. But the cool thing is that Brian immediately recognized when he, when he started seeing that I could write lyrics and was encouraging me, um, he, he turned me immediately to BMI. He was like, you have to apply for this. He helped me do my application. He like walked me through the door of BMI and made sure that like I did a good job with my application and that program for me, because I am more of a, I am a little bit more of a nerd than Brian is when it comes to school. And a better listener, I would say. <clears throat> I'm a very good student. Um, and so I, I took that experience and I had a really amazing class too. Um, Ryan Cunningham was in my class and it was just like a lovely, lovely group of people. And it was, I think, a slightly younger group too. So they were more my age. And so I, I had an, I had a great, a great two years with Pat Cook and, Rick Fryer, and they're just, they're really great teachers, and they teach something that's very, a little bit old school and a little traditional, but for me, that was perfect, because I was always trying to break out of the mold, always trying to figure out something else, but I love knowing what the obvious answer is, or what the, like, most traditional answer is to something, so that then you're playing off of that. It's one of my favorite things to do as a writer, so um, I, I got a ton out of that, and then I brought Brian back um, in my second year. I asked if Brian could come be my collaborator and they were a little hesitant, but, um, but then they let him come back for that year. And actually I think that was, that was a shift because now the two of us together were really focused and really ready to hear the thoughts that they had. Nice. So 
let's talk about the show you have currently running at 59 East 59th Street, The Mad Ones. What inspired the show and what was the writing process like? Well, The Mad Ones has been a very long journey and a piece that contains personal elements from both Kate and my lives. Um, for me, um, it's definitely reflective of a period of time in my life where I was deciding whether um, deciding on the virtue of college, um, I guess that's something that's kind of a theme in this interview. But um, I, I spent my <laughs> first, I spent my first semester of college at Harvard, then at Berkeley for the next semester, and then I transferred again to NYU. I was just kind of like all over the place, um, and definitely even at the end of high school was having some real existential questions about um, how you launch yourself into the world, um, and then. You know that was that was a while ago. Um, so this is a piece that's very much like traveled with Kate and I. Musicals take a very long time to get produced, and this one in particular. Um, so the, I mean, Kate can probably speak to what a bit is personal to her if she'd like. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I think that that question of whether or not one goes to college or um, really what you do when you have to make a very big decision and how do you become how do you shift from being a child who is, um, who is being advised and taken care of to being someone who's making adult choices? And generally, it's not through uh, a positive experience. It's generally through a little bit of a crucible of, of, uh, of things happening. Fire, to you. a crucible of fire. <laughs> a crucible no. of, um, of, of change. You know, you have this, 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 you have to go through this metamorphosis to become a person who's making their own decisions. And for Sam, um, that is connected to her best friend and someone who she felt like could sort of guide her um, in a really clear way and allow her to make decisions that were new and fresh, but with a lot of guidance. And when she loses access to that, um, that changes how she moves forward and it, cr it creates a, a paralysis. And I, the show really is very much about that period, a period of grief where um, someone feels paralysis and is trying to figure out how to get out of it. Um, and it's, it's not, that's not something I've seen um, on stage very often. And there's a lot of reasons, but um, it's something that we were really excited to try to explore and really dig into. So what was the process like as the show developed? You said it was a long, uh, long gestation. How did it evolve? How did it change? I know there was a title change involved. Yeah. Yeah. The... As we got, sorry, go ahead, Bray. No, you go ahead. Um, I, as we, as the show grew, especially in the last couple of years, um, we started to, we, we took a big break from it. We worked on a lot of other projects and when we came back to it, we realized that in order to make it relevant to us and to make it feel, um, big enough to us, uh, we needed to shift the, the story of it just slightly um, and to focus more on the relationship between these two girls, which felt like the fundamental thing that was important about the story to us. And so that's where the title change came from. It came from trying to dig deeper into this, this relationship between two young women and the power and the importance of that kind of relationship when you're at that stage in your life. Most, most teenagers, um, their primary relationship isn't with their boyfriend or their parents, it's with their best friend. And so trying to really activate that and really dig deep into that. Um, and then talk about what happens when that, when that relationship has to shift or end, um, was, was the focus of trying to get to the, 
um, was, was the focus of changing that title and making it um, more about these two girls. And do you feel that having a lot of songs from the show up on YouTube sung by some major, uh, major stars, did that help bring more attention to the piece and help move it along its way? I think it can still, I mean, I don't think, I know, it can still take eight to 12 years to get a musical up. That's still true. It was true of Jekyll and Hyde, Next to Normal, and now Us. Like, and I mean, there are far more examples than that. But um, it, it can take a very, very long period of time. I haven't seen evidence that the internet in any way has made that process slower. What I will say is that or it's faster. made it, or, fa- or sorry, has made it faster. But um, I will say that for us, it has made it much more enjoyable. Um, it's really <laughs> lovely to like be able to, rather than waiting a decade as ducks come into their row um, to get your show on its feet, it's really lovely that you know we get to see videos of people performing these songs in high schools and colleges and, and in professional settings, and that we get to learn from seeing those performances, right? About like about how the songs function and and how they work. And we write things that are meant to be performed; they're not meant to be sitting in a producer's desk waiting for a reading. And um, it's really it's really gratifying to be able to have that immediate. Um, release of putting your work out there. And I would say that there's also the, there's the gratification of once you actually do have a production, you have the, you're able to share this, not just with the audience who happens to find out about your show right now, but you're sharing it with these people who've been also waiting just like you for this production. And so we've had people coming, uh, women coming from all over the country, men too, but like, especially women who are friends with each other because of these songs, because they sang together. Um, They sang freedom when they were in high school and they're like literally holding hands and talking to us about their experience and how this friendship was formed based around these songs, which is like the best feeling I've ever had. Can you talk a bit about how the show came to prospect and what brought it to 59 East 59th street? Um, so Prospect has a three-year residency with East 59, East 59, right, Kate? Yeah. Yeah, so we're the first show in their in their residency that I guess will go on for a little while. Um, and this is the first time Prospect's doing it on, like, a fancy off-Broadway contract. So this was, like, a big step forward for Prospect. And, um, and this is a piece that Cara, the artistic director had known about, and we kind of talked about in the background, the show was at NAMPT last year, the National Alliance of Musical Theater. We were talking to Cara, and the it was pretty easy. We just kind of sat down and said, oh, we should talk about this. And then we were like, yeah, that's a really good fit. Um, so it just kind of happened pretty easily at the end of a <laughs> very end. long, not easy process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every now and then things are easy. And that's when that's no. very that's a very nice feeling. Yeah. And you said you're in rehearsals for another show. Yeah, we're yeah. actually we're going back to our roots after we did uh, after we did the woman upstairs. The first show, the first big show that we did was uh, was a kids show actually for Theater Works USA called Henry and Mudge, and that was our off Broadway debut. And uh, we by like pure happenstance, Barbara Pasternak got in touch with us a couple of months ago, and she said she said you guys aren't you guys don't happen to be available for. Uh, the month of December um, and also next summer to do a new musical. And we said, that sounds amazing. And we actually are available. And so we, we sort of figured everything out and we've been writing pretty fast, but we um, we're working on a show that's going to be off Broadway at the Lortel 
in uh, for the free summer theater this coming summer, which is really exciting. And it's so cool to know that you're working on something that's going to be seen that quickly. Actually, it's it's so rare. Um, so we're doing um, an adaptation of the of Andrea Bede's books. They're Iggy Peck Architect, Rosie Revere Engineer, and Ada Twist Scientist. And it's sort of an amalgamation of all of their stories. And I'm also personally very excited because my two-year-old is obsessed with the books. Um, but they actually they actually go up to, like, most of the kids who are reading them. Um, it's, it's also, like, first reading series. Um, so, there, so there's a lot of, like, seven, eight-year-olds who are really into those books. They're really good. That sounds fantastic. Well, break lots of legs, and I look forward to seeing it next summer. Yeah, Great. thanks. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And I have good luck for the uh, or break legs. Sorry, can't say the GL word. But break legs for the uh, the rest of the run of the Mad Ones, which is running through uh, December 17th at 59 East 59th Street. Thank you both again. Of Thank course. you so Bye. much. It was great talking to you. Great talking with Bye. you. Bye. Bye-bye.